patience. <laughs> you know, I saw this and I had to do this. It, um, I think it's something that, uh, that we all have a problem with sometimes, lacking. There's, um, there's times I'm impatient with many things. Um, and I've got to say, I was a lot worse before than I am now. Slowly, slowly, it's working on me. The word patience, what does it mean? Does anybody have a meaning for it? Well, here's what I come up with. The ability to endure hardship and inconvenience without complaint. That's patience. This is a quality that we all need to live the Christian life. Patience is a virtue. How many have heard that? Everybody heard that. Patience is a virtue. That is to be developed as we live day by day. As we live and face these trials and tribulations of life, we learn to be patient. And this strengthens us to be strong spiritual Christians. In our text, James tells us that the trying of faith works patience. We face different kinds of trials from time to time. There are trials of sickness, sorrow, persecutions. When we face these things, we are count, to count this as a joy to go through them. I realize that's hard to do. How can we count this as a joy when our heart is aching and it brings grief to us? The Bible says here in James chapter 1, verse 2, It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He's instructing us. These trials are trials of our faith. We as children of God are to live by faith. In order for a faith to be strong, it must be tested. As a matter of fact, Faith, by its very nature, has to be tested and tried in order to grow. As our faith grows, the more patient we become. That is, we are able to endure hardships and the trials of life without complaining. We learn to trust God to lead us and guide us through all the things that we face. This brings glory to God and peace to our hearts. In verse 4, James tells us to let patience have her perfect work. He's instructing us to let patience produce its fruit. That is, her work without being hindered. We are not to hinder the influence patience works in our heart. There are many things that hinder patience from influencing our hearts, such as murmuring, complaining, rebellion. You see, God has designed patience to produce necessary virtues and graces in our souls in order for us to mature in the Christian faith and be able to be good servants of the Lord. You see, 
when patience has his perfect work in our hearts, it brings us into full maturity in Christian life. Now notice here again in verse 4. It says, So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, when patience has her perfect work, there will be nothing lacking in developing our Christian character. Now, we may have within us the elements of good character and good, sound biblical principles, but the good character and sound principles may not be seen until they are under some kind of trial or test. When we are faced with this affliction, then what is within us comes out. Affliction, probably more than anything else, will bring out our character and our inner principles. Then we may see what we really are. As we let patience do her work in us, under these trials and afflictions, it will cause us to become more like Christ and stronger in our faith and a more effective servant to the Lord. So when our faith is tested, it produces patience. Paul had learned this. Paul learned through his trials and tribulations God had comforted him. And with that, he was able to comfort others in their trials. When trials and afflictions came to Christians, they produced patience. But when trials come to sinners, they are troubled, they are irritated, and they complain. They become more rebellious against God. They have no true source of comfort. In the life of a Christian, tribulation works patience, and patience works experience. Experience is another fruit of patience. You see, patient endurance of trials produces experience. Experience means the result of trials. It means being tested and being approved through a trial or test. When a Christian has faithfully borne the trials of life from time to time, it shows the kind of person he really is. His faith has been tested and found to be real and be genuine. And then the experience, you know what that produces? Hope. After we have been through hard trials of testing, this experience produces hope. Trials, patience, and experience are designed to reveal and develop our character. Hope is designed to direct the heart towards future blessings awaiting the people of God. Hope directs our minds onward towards another world, our eternal home in heaven. This hope gives us strength and courage to keep on serving the Lord faithfully. It gives us strength for the rest of our journey home. The Christian hope is certain. We will not be disappointed. The Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation of our hope, the foundation that cannot be shaken. We have a home in heaven that will never pass away. It is eternal. 
The more trials and tribulations we go through here in life makes heaven just seem a little bit closer. By now, all that we see that patience is a very important key to Christian life. Many times we don't understand why we have to go through things, but it is here that we must be patient. It is here that we must, without murmuring, without complaining, wait on the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, it says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find a new strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles. They will run, not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, we may faint and be weary sometimes, but if we wait on the Lord, he will give us the power. He will give us that strength. He will give us the encouragement we need to go on. Others are going to let us down. We all know that. But God, God never fails us. In this old world, we got some hard battles to face, and they're going to take a toll on us, on every one of us. Sometimes the days seem very dark, don't they? We can't see the light until we look into the blessed Lord. He is the light of our world. And at that point, he reached us down in his mighty hand, and he'll lead us through any dark valley. And he brings the joy of his salvation. Just as peace, prayer, praise are keys to Christian living, patience also is. Waiting on God will always bring a a blessing. Let's say that one more time. Waiting on God always brings us a blessing. The message I had is very short. I've got more to share that it may take a little while. Um, I'm going to have some pictures running on the screen. These are going to be some very random pictures. Uh, Every once in a while, I may just turn around and explain a picture. There's going to be several pictures of aircraft around the world doing mission work. There's going to be some pictures of some destruction around the world in which people need that hope, need that strength, need that help. Um, There's going to be some pictures of airplanes in pieces. 
there's going to be pictures of my wife when she was in the Philippines actually in a mission work doing a medical outreach. That was the place she was. Those of you, I don't know if everybody knows Charmaine. Please stand up, Charmaine. <laughs> She's patient. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um, I was here a couple years ago, as, as Carol had said and talked about faith. I was also here, I don't know how long before that, and I spoke. Uh, I was, I, I'm going to go back for a little bit. I, I don't want to go back too far. And you can listen to the, the sermon on, online as I did before I got here. But there are a lot of things that happened, and it came with patience. We have been interested, or I should say, I've always, I've always been around aviation since I could walk. And I got into the, to the crop dusting um, in the mid-'80s. I've been doing it ever since. And my job allows me, I work five months of the year very hard, and then I have seven months off. So it, it works out real well with what you're about to hear. I, I've been crop dusting, it's 22 years now. Um, I go out to South Dakota is where I, where I base, and that way Charmaine gets a little time alone to get that patience back again. <laughs> so I've, I've got a little over 11,000 hours of flight time doing this now, and uh, when you talk about mission flying, you're talking about flying in the worst conditions, just like crop dusting. You know, I look at the crop dusting as a real preparation for the future. When I was here a few years ago, I was with Adventist World Aviation. And I got involved with them, um, which was a blessing. We have learned so much when we were with AWA. We learned the logistics of what it takes to do it. We've learned so much about being a missionary, so much about being in the foreign field. Um, I did a lot of mechanical work on their aircraft to help them get them to the field. There, there's the experience that we have gained with Adventist World Aviation was was incredible. However, about a year ago or so, there was a change in leadership at AWA. And years ago, before I ever met AWA, we were given this, this calling. It, it, it came. I knew that I wanted to use an airplane to go and help humanitarian, spiritual, medical missions, there is such a need. It's incredible. 
and I probably talked about this, but I'm going to touch on this again because before we ever knew about joining a mission agency, Charmaine and I were talking about putting an airplane together, sending it to the Philippines, and doing this. Not only did we talk about it, but I sat down and I planned with my experience. I said, I know exactly what I need for the aircraft. I know the exact aircraft, and I know exactly how I need to modify it to work for the mission field. It'll be an airplane that can carry four or five people and supplies out of less than an 800-foot area. This is what is needed because a lot of these airstrips are in the mountains, very mountainous terrain. And you'll see a picture of me flying over the Rockies in here somewhere. That's what it looks like in the Philippines. So we had this idea that we were going to do this. We started planning this. After a while, we found AWA and we got involved with them. That was great. We, like I said, learned a lot. We grew, and it was a wonderful stepping stone. I have a lot of respect for AWA, and there are not enough mission agencies in the field. Where there's one, there should be a thousand. However, through this learning and and, and planning, God made his call very clear. It was almost like somebody hit me over the head with a two-by-four. That's how clear it was. Where we need to be, what we need to be doing. There was never an alteration to that, ever. When the new leadership took over, there, there was a little bit of a fork in the road the way they went from the way that my calling was purely given. It was, it was that clear. I struggled with that for some time. I really did. In the end, we have to follow God. So I resigned from AWA and went back to original plan. Okay, how am I going to do this? Now, I want you to remember me saying earlier about the exact airplane that I needed and the exact modifications I needed to do. That's key. This happened years ago. The, the thing is, after, after I resigned, I, I had some real misgiving. I, I'm thinking, did I do the right thing? I, you know how we all do that sometimes. We all say, gee, I wonder if I did the right thing. But it always came back to that answer. Yes. I needed patience. When, when AWA first interviewed us, and they said to me, what do you think your worst quality is? Guess what I said immediately. No hesitation. Patience. Wow. God's been working on that. I can tell you. But 
there was a waiting period after, after we resigned from AWA. I started thinking, like we all do, all of a sudden there's doubt. Is this really, if, is this ever going to happen? An aircraft? Really? It's, that's so expensive. How am I going to get an airplane to the field? Well, hello. We've got the Lord. He can do anything, can't he? And he has. He's done some amazing things. Last year, it was at the end of my, end of my spring season. I got home sometime in August. And I'm out at the airport, and we have a, a Christian man out there that builds his own airplanes and, and flies. And I talk to him quite often. He, he actually built a replica of a World War I biplane and flies it. We were talking, and in the corner he has a, a project. It's the type of airplane I was looking for. And it wasn't complete. It had no engine. It was missing a lot of parts. And I'm just over there kind of looking it over and thinking in my own mind, what could I do with this to make it into a mission airplane? Later in this conversation, he says to me, he says, well, what are you doing with your time off? And I says, well, I find plenty to do. I always find projects, you know, and fix the lawnmower that Charmaine broke in the summer. And, you know, things, things like this, and... And he said, I says, you know, someday I, I really got to get an airplane so I can get it to the mission field. So the conversation changed, and we went on, and finally I'm going to leave. And Dr. Burt, he, uh, he looks at me when I'm about ready to leave. He says, so when are you going to come and get it? I says, get what? And he says, that. And I was almost speechless. He says, you need an airplane. Here. Take it. It's yours. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I was, for a while, I was very speechless. I actually had to call him later and thank him because I don't know that I could talk at the time. So we got it on a trailer, and I took it home and assessed it. And naturally, it was not a complete airplane, as he had. It was missing engine propeller. It was missing a lot of, lot of key things. But I looked and I said, I have a start. I, I can work on something. And then I just got to save. Well, more time and patience went on. I started assessing everything, looking at everything, writing down what I need, the big thing, the engine. We're talking some big money for an aircraft engine. And I, I started again to think, oh my goodness, how is this going to happen again? Okay, let's wait. Let's just wait. Every time I sit back and give that patience, give that time for the Lord, always, 
something happens. Always. And you know what? It's not... It's not in our time. It's not when we think it's right. What's amazing, it always happens at the exact time it's supposed to. And you don't see that until after it happened. It's like, wow, if that would have happened a day earlier or a day later, it probably wouldn't be in this order. It's amazing what he can do. So, so anyway, I'm, just excuse me. I'm waiting again. And I've got one other thing I want to say. When you're in life and you meet somebody, a stranger, maybe you're a thousand miles away in a city you've never been to. Maybe you're a hundred miles away and you have a talk with a stranger, you never know how that person's going to affect life, how they're key in the whole puzzle to complete it. In 2010, I was, no, 2011, I was spraying in Iowa. And there was a farmer that had beans and I was spraying his beans, and he was actually the one out at the airport when I landed to reload the airplane. In this business, sometimes you've got to wait on weather, so you have a lot of sometimes sitting time. So we were in the office, and we're talking, and we became close. We spent like five days together, exchanged numbers, and stayed in contact. Well... Not that I talked to him that often, but he was interested in the mission aviation part because he loves aviation. He's also a Christian. About three weeks ago or so, he called me and he says, Jeff, you still trying to get an airplane to the Philippines at the kind you told me? I says, yeah, I, I have one now. Somebody donated it. It's not complete. He says, yeah, I, I know you told me that. You sent me the email. And then he says, I tell you what. He says, there's a friend of mine that, that passed away about a year ago. I'm, I'm a friend of their family, and his wife wants to sell this airplane. I, I think you can get a pretty good deal on it because she wants it to go to a good home. She wants to see that it's completed. So I says to him, well, that's fine. And he, he told me what she's asking. And the problem is last year we had a drought season. Everybody knows we had drought. When there's drought, I don't fly as much. It was not a really great, great year. I says, well, if she's asking $10 for it, it might as well be a million because don't don't have it. He says, well, let me call her. He says, I'll get back to you. Okay. So he calls back about, oh, uh, I don't know, it was a day or two later. And he says, you know, 
I told her about what you want to do, and she's excited. She's excited about this. He says, and I just emailed you a bunch of pictures. I went over and took pictures of this, of this airplane. Okay. I'm still thinking, okay, well, it doesn't really matter <laughs> at this point. Um, patience. So I get the pictures and I look, and this airplane has almost all the modifications that I need for the field. Extended range fuel tanks and so on. Okay. So now there's another one in the works. But I've missed something critical here. I hope you don't mind me just bouncing around. Um, after the first aircraft was, was donated... One of the modifications, and it, I'm going to try to make this not too technical, but the Federal Aviation Administration controls what you can do to an airplane and keep it legal. Some of the modifications are, are quite extensive, and you have to use what they call a supplemental type certificate. It means somebody went through the complete testing phase with an airplane, with that modification, and got it approved. And then you have to buy their approval and their, either their parts or their plans to make it happen. Part of my dream was to make this airplane a little bigger. In other words, make the wings longer in essence so it can carry a bigger load. I didn't think there was a legal change for that out there. Well, I'm looking around for some information one day, and all of a sudden, I'm on the FAA website looking for something else, and again, you click things, things come up. All of a sudden, this supplemental type certificate shows up that this was already done. It's an approved modification to stretch the airplane. Really? This is really cool. And then I looked down. The date it was, uh, the date that it was signed off, 1959. Uh oh. This has to be bought from the person that did the modification. 1959. Well, I'm guessing the person that was smart enough to do this modification was already in their 50s or 60s. What were the chances? that I was going to find this person. Well, I didn't give up. I started Googling names, and I come across the name of Audrey Simpson, Mrs. Simpson. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if she's still around. So I come up with a phone number, and I call it. And somebody on the other end answers, and I says, I'm looking for Audrey Simpson. I'm looking for Mrs. Simpson. There was a silence, and she goes, she's not lost. And I said, excuse me? She goes, well, you said you're looking for her. She's not lost. I said, she says, would you like to start over, young man? 
And I says, could I please talk to Audrey Simpson? And she says, this is her. Okay. I introduced myself, and, and I told her a little bit of the story of what I'm looking for. And she started questioning, questioning me, uh, do you know this person, or do you know this person? Evidently, her, her husband has passed away over 25 years ago. Her husband is the one who did this approval. Um, since that approval, she is now like 89 years old. And there are some people trying to duplicate what her husband did and take it from her, and I guess there is a legal battle going on with that. So she was very cautious about who she was talking to because all of a sudden I enter asking about this information. I mentioned about using the airplane for missions in the Philippines, and the complete conversation turned tone. She got very excited, and she wanted to know more. So I told her. She went on to tell me a story about her husband. Before she met him, he was in the Philippines when the Japanese attacked. He got shot down. When the airplane crashed, he was saved by two Filipino nurses that hid him somewhere and nursed him back to health. So they have a very, very close connection with the Philippines through all this. And she told me this story. And she said, you know, I haven't let this approval ever be done since my husband died. She says, you can have it. You can have it. So she sent that along. She's 89 years old. She has two broken arms. She fell. She has two broken arms. And she said, in order to get this, I have to send her a letter of request. That's the proper way that red tape, you've got to go through to do it. She told me, she says, you better hurry because I've got one foot on a banana peel, son. <laughs> and she, she was so funny. So I, I, I sent her the request, and she sent everything is promised. And she also sent a little cross that she made. She hand-embroidered it by hand with a saying. She did this with two broken arms. And she sent this saying, and she also called me later on and says, I want you to always keep me posted of what's happening. She told me this. She has contacted me several times since just to see how I'm doing. Again, the right place, the right people, the right time. We'll go ahead now after... The fellow in Iowa had called his, his friend that, that lost her husband. He called me back and he said, she's excited to help you. She's willing to make this happen. And she says, I want to put you right in contact with her. Just give her a call. So I called her and, and she says, oh, I hear what you want to do. Um, 
I, I'm willing to let it go for a certain amount. And believe me, she gave me a price that you, you don't buy not even a fraction of this for. And I, I was almost to the point where I, I couldn't believe it. That sounded too good to be true. It wasn't. Then I says, well, let me think about it because I never say no because we have a powerful God. And she actually called me back again. She says, well, I'll make this even easier. So things got much easier. Charmaine and I were going to Sioux Falls a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago. We were in Sioux Falls for my work. They have a convention out there. She's almost along the way, on the way home. Now, again, we have all this happening at the right time. She made this happen. This airplane is at home now in my garage. Um, we left there. I went and got a U-Haul, met this woman. She told me about her husband, who was very particular. He was designing the airplane to be used for backcountry flying, bush-type flying, the same thing. The airplane has a brand-new overhauled engine with it. It has every part to complete the airplane. It has right down to the, every can of paint to paint it. He bought everything to complete the airplane. Um, she was really excited about the mission work, and she did anything she could to make this happen, including making sure that airplane went home, that it get built. She's actually, she's actually Catholic, and so is the friend that I met in Iowa. Everybody's coming together for one purpose, for the missions, to get things in the field. It's, it's amazing. Um, I got the airplane home and started looking through it. And I'm amazed to find the things I'm finding. Very little, if anything, will I need. There is enough there between both donations of those airplanes that I can make exactly right down to every modification that I dreamed about at least six to seven years ago. Exactly the way I thought it. Is that amazing? That is amazing. So that is some of the miracles that have just been happening. And I got to tell you, through all this, there, there, was, there was times of, of frustration. There was times of, of doubt. But you know what? I, I talk about this last statement just as peace and prayer and praise are keys to Christian living, so is patience. Waiting on God will always bring blessing. Um, there's some pictures up here. I just 
I'll just tell you what a few of them are. You've probably been looking at them going, what, what does this mean? Um, this is in the Philippines. Not only can we bring the word to the end of the world, at the ends of earth, but there are a lot of natural disasters in the Philippines, typhoons. There's always people that, as you see, need hope. Need hope. I spoke about years ago when Charmaine was first, when we met, before she got here, about how a landslide covered the town that she was supposed to be in in the Philippines. And I thought that I had lost her before I even got her here. Um, They had left an hour beforehand, but had an airplane been there to drop relief supplies, fly-in doctors because there were no roads. They were impassable. They couldn't be gotten. Uh, there's another picture of the mission that she was on, a medical clinic in Palawan. That is me over the Rocky Mountains. That is much of what the Philippines looks like. And that's what an airstrip looks like on the top of a mountain. That's where you got to land. There's the wings that I brought home. It's got the large... Long-range fuel tanks because the Philippines 7,000 islands. Their first frame is the one that was donated by the doctor. The other one, there's the one from the doctor. Um, the amount of parts I have is incredible. Everything he bought new. And she said that, that he will be very pleased to know that in the eternal world, that this is going to be used for something like that. Here's some pictures. Uh, this is not mine. This is just the pictures of what it will look like away. This is what it will look like finished. That will take and carry in the Philippines. Um, I would say you could put at least five people in that airplane and carry them out. It will also have enough room to put a stretcher, a stretcher in the airplane, so you can do medical evacuations. It will have enough range to go to every island on the Philippines. It will have enough capability, even though it's only running 150 horsepower, it can still burn car fuel. It will have enough capability to get off those mountain airstrips full. And the devastation there, there was a a typhoon that went through, I don't know exactly what day, it's probably six months ago, it was a big one that went through Mindanao. And it created a lot of death, a lot of destruction. The Philippine government was actually asking private citizens who owned airplanes to donate their time. They would pay the gas to do airdrops so they could airdrop medicine and supplies into some of the people that were cut off because they were dying of of starvation. They were dying of disease. So that is exactly, there's another airstrip in the mountain that they're going out of. Um, With with the experience type of flying I've got, 
I've got mountain experience. I've got everything. It's, it's easy to see why God... And this is the, the medical mission. There they are. That's their clinic. How do you like that? I think one of these you'll see, there it is. There, there's the high-tech dentistry. There's no Novocaine. But these are people that never have seen a doctor or a dentist. And they're appreciative. So them are just some of the pictures. Um, if you'd like to know more, we're right there. There's Roads are going to be cut off due to the flooding when you have a typhoon. There's only one way to get to these people. So that's... That's what I have to tell. It, um, like I say, I mean, this is going to continue, and I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, there will be more as this unfolds. But at this point, with my job schedule, now that I have the graciousness of the people that wanted to be involved with the missions and with patience waiting on God, he has produced these fruits. And I'm really excited about this, and I wanted to share this. Thank you. Father God, we, we thank you so much for everything that you do, Lord. We cannot do not one thing, Lord, without you. Lord, I ask that, that you, you work on this patience with with everyone, Lord, because we know you are very patient. You are a patient Lord, a loving Lord. And Lord, you are, you are a Lord of blessings. So Lord, may we lift you up today and remember, remember this. And Lord, may we all have some more patience, Lord, as we wait on you. Till we are in the clouds, and until you come in the clouds of glory, Lord, and then we're in our eternal home with you. I thank you, Lord, in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.